In a world where magic is everywhere, monsters are real, and inhibitions are non-existent, Atlantis is the most coveted destination, and pirates make all the rules. That's right. The Dangerous Tides Kickstarter is live. We're bringing you six brand new books from authors like Katie Robert and C.M. Nascosta. These ultra-spicy fantasy books feature sirens, kidnappings, aliens, disguises, monsters, sex magic, second chances, and so much more that can't be mentioned in polite company. They combine otherworldly adventure with sweeping romance in a way that will keep your heart racing from start to finish. By backing the Kickstarter, you can read these books this month. Of course, we've also got foiled special editions with sprayed edges in hardback and paperback, gorgeous art, and swag, which you'll have in your hands this fall. The Kickstarter will be over in the blink of an eye, so don't miss it. This is the only place you can get these special editions and swag, not to mention getting the ebooks five months earlier than they're available to anyone else. This is your invitation to unlock the secrets of Atlantis. So click the link in the show notes and enter at your own risk. But she's not stupid. She's like, uh, he's going to London. What's there? Aphrodite's Grotto. He wants to put his penis in Aphrodite's Grotto instead of my grotto, is what she's thinking. <laughs> Welcome to Bonkers Romance, the podcast that celebrates authors who really go there. I'm Jenny Nordback. And I'm Melody Carlisle. Wow, thank you so much for all the excitement we've gotten on social media. It's kind of incredible. We're loving hearing what you're thinking about the episodes and the books. I love all the screenshots that I'm getting. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jenny, those crazy good TikToks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Man, people are clever. I'm obsessed. Like, the things that people do with TikTok. And the Bonkers books are so ripe for it. Yeah, completely. Oh my gosh. It's been so good. So yeah, thank you for following us and for reaching out and for letting us know what you think. Because we do try to really put that feedback into the show. Yeah. Speaking of the show. Yeah. (laughs) This week, we're recapping The Raven Prince by Elizabeth Hoyt with Sarah McLean. Woo! We've got Sarah McLean. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we're excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to be a, you know, one of your firsts. Completely. Oh. Completely. And you were one of the people, like Aaron always talks about the um, the panel you did at KissCon one year. Oh, Bananas Romance with Sophie Jordan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so when we were starting this podcast, we were both like, Sarah has to be like one of the first <laughs> episodes. It has to happen. Well, that's really <laughs> nice. And you should also invite Sophie on because I'm sure she would, she has lots to add too. But you know, it's funny because I, I was thinking about that KissCon panel not long ago. And I was thinking about how like 
at the time, Sophie and I had read Ice Planet Bar- Barbarians. We had just started reading Ice Planet Barbarians. Oh, and okay. both of us had read like, I don't know, six in a row, like two weeks earlier. Yeah. And then we started talking about them at that panel and people were like, what? Blue aliens? What? And right now it's like the biggest thing in the world. And I just want to say, Sophie Jordan and I, like we were there like three years ago, you guys. Thanks for catching up. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw someone. In fact, it was Melinda on Twitter said like something about like new people discovering Ice Planet Barbarians on TikTok and acting like they're the first people to ever read it. It's going to be my villain origin story. And I was like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been years, years. We've all done Ruby Dixon, stopped reading Ruby Dixon, come back to Ruby Dixon. Like, we're on our third time around with Ruby Dixon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But TikTok, bless them. Bless TikTok. I love it. I know. It is chaos and it is a delight. It, it really is. It is. I mean, I'm reading this. I know we said no monsters for this episode, but I'm reading this. I read this Minotaur porn that everybody's talking about this week. Sure. And it. I mean, I read it because of TikTok, not because anybody else told me to. And then I texted <laughs> everyone I knew, including Sophie, <gasps> and was like, here it is. This is <laughs> and with the little banana emoji, which is how I report in on Bananas Books. There you go. Which you are calling bonkers. Yeah. So Yeah. So what constitutes a Bananas or Bonkers book for you? Like, Monsters is one thing that obviously can get us there, but what what does it so for you? I think that literally anything can be a little Bananas, and that is because I think what I really want is f- to feel like a writer is taking a lot of risk. Yeah. Like, being really fearless. So, yes, obviously, like, two penised aliens or satyrs or, like, blue penised aliens <laughs> or minotaurs being milked. Like, yes, sure, all of that. But also, like, sometimes people just write a book that seems bananas because of the structure of the world building or the tropes that they're using or the character, the character traits that they're giving usually heroes, but also heroines. Yeah. You know, like, as you both know, we at my house are big Cressley Cole fans. Yeah. <laughs> and, like talk about somebody who like every time she hits it, she hits it like super bananas. But then when she wrote that mafia series, which had no vampires, no demons, no Valkyries, like nothing, she did it again. Like the the player is like a truly bananas book. The master, the setup of the master is like super bananas. And I think that we, you know, now we're in this place in romance where there are all these like rabbit holes that you start find yourself lost down and you're like, how is it possible that these are also bonkers right now. It feels like we're sort of in this like heyday of bonkers. But, you know, Annika Martin was writing these mafia romances where, you know, the heroine almost had her finger, you know, paper cut it off years ago. And yeah, you know, Ruby Dixon was here years ago. So I think um, and then, of course, there's the old school world where, you know, kidnapping is fine. Oh, yeah. Kidnapping is a love language. All kinds of like, like, literally anything goes like her brother wants, like, is sexually attracted to her and she has to run from him is like totally normal. That's like a trope in the 80s. (laughs) So I think there's always there's, there's lots of that in romance. And part of the joy of romance is like, 
knowing that there's something for everyone. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the Sarah McLean bonkers <laughs> world building. Yeah. Where, like Hattie's book. We open with like a woman who has made a list and is on her way to a sex club determined to enact this plan and she finds the hero tied up in a carriage and then like throws him out of the carriage Uh she was busy she was on her way (laughs) somewhere (laughs) or that they're like these underground kingpin like it yeah Yeah. or like the bare knuckle boxing oh like you just i mean doesn't doesn't hattie tie wind to a mast at some point to go down on Ex- him. I mean, yes, that and happens. Here's, look, she's an expert in knots. <laughs> I it's know. right there on the first page. It's like Chekhov's gun. It's if true. You, like, make a heroine an expert yeah. in knots. Oh, yeah. Eventually. It's Chekhov's bound bondage. <laughs> yeah, she's going to tie the hero to the mast of a ship <laughs> and give him the best beach of his life. That's how it's going to go. I don't <laughs> make the rules. <laughs> But here's the thing, though. I think the historical, I feel really, really blessed to write historical because I think historical gets a pass on bonkersness in a way that contemporary does not Mm. always. Like, I'm setting aside for the purposes of this conversation, like dark romance and mafia romance and kind of the like, the things that are happening, like largely in India around the edges. Um, I mean, I guess not the edges, but largely in indie. Um, and that's because I think traditional has no idea what to do with bonkers romance often. Certainly not in a contemporary setting. Mm. Like, and we can see that, right? With what's going on in romance right now, a lot of what we're seeing out of contemporary romance in traditional publishing houses is quieter and is like more realistic than I think we've ever seen before. Right. But I feel like. When you write historicals, you do get a pass because you can write, you know, all these heroes are kings and you have this moment where you have certainly in, in MF, right? Like all the heroes are kings, all the heroines like are willing to do anything to like defy expectations and like push against boundaries of society. Right. And in order to do that in historicals, it has to be extra, like almost as a matter of like, it's required that these characters be extra. So when that's the kind of unwritten rule of the subgenre, which is how I feel about historicals, like then anything really does go. Write yourself a girl gang. Have them in tavern battles. Totally. Yeah. Please, in fact. When you get fun stakes in the historical world that you don't get in contemporary, right. where like people can be ruined and, you know, you can have things that are sort of more life or death that you don't get to play with in contemporary as much. Like if you step out of line, the stakes are much higher versus in our modern world. Like I right. can get away with doing yeah, stupid exactly. shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, and every injury is you know, more severe because medicine <laughs> mm. is non-existent. Exactly. Like, every misunderstanding is more understandable because we can't text. Like, all you know, yeah. <laughs> it's all ripe to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so you have brought us a historical today is what you selected as your bonkers book. And you and Mel have both read it. And I haven't. I have no <laughs> idea what we're about to get into. So tell me, tell me where we're going. Oh, my God. Okay, so Elizabeth Hoyt is one of my favorite historical writers, um, and this book is her debut and the first book I ever read by her, and it's called The The Raven Prince. Mm-hmm. And here's what I will tell you. So coming into it, what I remember about The Raven Prince is I can remember where I was when I read it, and there are actually only a few, I think maybe 
in total, there are like 20 romance novels in my life that I can like remember the location I was in when I read the book. Ah! This is one of them. <laughs> and I remember this book so vividly because it was the sexiest historical I had read like ever. Oh, it's sexy. Yeah, it's super sexy. But like now I think if you read it, you'd be like, oh, this is sexy, but you wouldn't have your mind blown, which is where I was, because it was like the first sure. time I had read something that was like just super, like super hot in historical. Like she had she had like kicked in the door. Now, of course, I'm thinking of a different book that I wish I had picked for this podcast, but have me on again in a few months. Ah. And <laughs> if nobody else has picked it, I'll bring you another historical that we should read. <laughs> Oh, sounds excited. perfect. <laughs> well, so we were talking when we were texting. I was like, Sarah, listen, I just read Duke of Sin by Elizabeth Hoyt for Heaving mm -hmm. Bosoms. And like, it was one of the most bonkers books I've ever read in my life. And you were like, oh, Raven Prince, that's where we got to go. <laughs> yeah, she's really fearless. Yes. And she's never lost it. Like her oh. books continue to... Like, she has never tamed her heroes. Who Like, her heroes always are this kind of archetype. Uh-huh. And, like, she's never tamed them. She never lets – she doesn't – She I don't think she lets Twitter get in her head ever. <laughs> like, she sure. just – she knows what she's writing. She knows what her readers want, and she delivers every time. Gosh, yeah. I was so excited when you chose another Elizabeth Hoyt. And this book, Jenny, this has everything. We've got a brothel. We've got a duel. We've got this giant drooling dog. We've got mutual pining. We've got blackmail. There's a masquerade mask sex yes. scene. There's wet dreams. Like, we gotta get to it because this book is so good. Also, <laughs> internet, you have an ugly hero. Yes. Oh. It's like truly ugly. Like, yeah. he's not just like... He's not, well, I mean, like, he's still, obviously, when he takes his clothes off, he looks great. But the, I mean, <laughs> but he has smallpox scars, right? So, like, he's not like, oh, I was in a knife fight mm. and I got this scar. He, like, has real scars that, yeah. And, like, the whole world views him in a not great way. Right. Actually, that's one of the things I liked most about this book, because first of all, it comes out swinging on the meat cute. Uh, yeah. She's walking down a lane and he like gallops around a corner with his mastiff running alongside him. And she has to like, basically jump out of the way. And his horse rears and he falls off. And she's like, oh, fell off your horse, huh? And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I can't. You're a silly, stupid it woman. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. And she's right like, there. oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you needed the whole lane. <laughs> and it's wonderful. And her first impression of him is like rude, awful, ugly, yes. done. And then he rides away without helping her pick up her groceries or it's anything. Tr it's true. He smashed all her eggs. And it's yeah. very upsetting. <laughs> There's a trout in the mud. But also, did you notice that she does notice his obsidian eyes? Oh. I mean, how could you yes. not? They're described yeah. as obsidian eyes. There are some oh, obsidian I eyes. I do love some obsidian <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because Jamie Green, who used to review romance novels for the New York Times, once said to me, here's the thing people don't understand about romance, because she was sort of new to romance. She hadn't read romance for a long, long time. And then like she started reading it, you know, a few years before she got the gig writing the review for the Times. And she was like, the thing that's shocking when you first start reading romance is how often everyone notices everyone else's eye color. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I was like, 
is that weird? She's like, that is weird in other genres. That is a, spe- a distinctly romance thing where, and I suppose that's it true is. in real life. Like most of the time, like you don't notice everyone's eye color, but in romance, you 100% do. And how they smell. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like if we smell a male character, he is immediately <laughs> yes. the hero. And heroes yeah. also <laughs> know the difference between they can scent any flower. Like they know all the different flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's a perfume maker and a sommelier. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay, wait, Jenny, can I read you a passage that I think will make you fall in love with this hero real quick? Yeah, I mean, you better, because he put some groceries in the mud. Because the lady's fish is in the mud. It's in the mud. Okay, so he's like... He's trying to get his horse, and his horse is, like, very shy because, you know, it's it's really startled. And he's speaking in this low, soothing, baritone voice. Part. But what he's saying is, that's right, dance around like a virgin at the first squeeze of a tit, you revolting lump of maggot-eating hide. Or maggot-eaten hide, the man crooned to the animal. When I get hold of you, you misbegotten result of a diseased camel humping a sway-backed ass, I'll wring your cretinous neck, I will. <laughs> Incredible. Wait, okay. wait. But I highlighted two lines later on that page, which is page five of the book. She, I mean, like, talk about, like, let's yeah. just get to it. We don't need to beat around the bush here. Like, it's time for us to meet this, like, you know, grumpy hero and his heroine. Um, But then you're in the heroine's point of view, Anna's point of view, and she says, she wondered if he sounded like that when he made love to a woman. One would hope he changed the words. Uh (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But also it would be fine as long as he sounded like that. (laughs) Maybe I would hope that. (laughs) A little degradation. Sure. I could get into it. Yeah. (laughs) So our heroine is in a pickle, though, in that... She lives, her husband's dead. Her husband was terrible. Yeah. She couldn't have any children. And so he was like, well, you're useless to me. And then he went off and he just had a bunch of affairs. Mm-hmm. Charming. Then he mm. died, thankfully. He deserved it. Oh, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> so now she lives with her mother-in-law in a small house outside of the estate of this Earl, the hero. And uh, they don't have any money. Super poor. And the yeah. trout... All their eggs have smashed in the dirt, and there's a trout also in the dirt. Like, now they have to eat mud trout. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. No. It's awful. So she needs a job. And um, luckily, our our hero is a monster, <laughs> and no one wants to work for him. <laughs> yeah, he's run off two secretaries in a month. So he needs a secretary, and she just happens to, like, know shorthand. And Greek and sure. Latin and a bunch of other cool shit. And so she finds out that this position is open. She's been, like, gone house to house. She, like, you know, lowered herself to go and ask the, like, resident bitch in town. And she decided she didn't want to hire her. So she finds out about this position. And she basically just, like, shoehorns her way in there and doesn't allow the steward to tell her no. So she shows up the next morning and he has gone to London because his issue is that he needs a wife and an heir. Because everyone's died. Yes. Yeah. He's the last person in his whole family. Everybody died of smallpox. And then his former wife died in childbirth. She's terrible, too. This is one of those moments where, like, you can tell that this book was not written in 2021 because she's also terrible. Yeah. And the reason why she is terrible is because she hated his smallpox scars and didn't want to fuck him. And he found that out when she was, like, dying. On her deathbed. She was like, 
I can't believe my dad made me marry this horrible, disgusting man who then killed me with his spawn. <laughs> Which does a little, a little bit feel <laughs> like it's not no. the most realistic deathbed confession, but also, as I said, see, see earlier a comment about historicals having to just, you know... <laughs> Romance reasons, it's fine. <laughs> it's true. She went for it. Yeah. yeah. And we're going on the ride. So he's kind of not the nicest person, this hero, because everyone he's, hates oh, him and is dead. He loves throwing things. He does love throwing yeah. things. And having fits. Not at her, <laughs> but just, no. Mm. Oh, and it's important to state that he also, it is shown to us, we know that he cannot feel feelings and like, is very repressed because he has not named his dog. Yeah. So she gets to start working there. She works for like three days or something. And then he comes home. And because of that, she meets this Mastiff for the first time. And by the time the hero gets there, she has completely won over this dog. And he walks in and he's like, hold on. Why is there a woman in my workspace? And also, how did she charm that dog? Like, he's (laughs) not into it. (laughs) No. This is some real, like, you can see Elizabeth Hoyt's, like, old school kink here. Like, this is some real, like, old school historical shit where a heroine, like, charms a dog and then the hero's just pissed off. Yeah. For no apparent reason. (laughs) Yeah, it's good stuff. And then this becomes one of my favorite devices. I have a weird love of the device where, like, the hero makes the heroine name something, and mm. they spend, like, two-thirds of the book attempting to name it, and the hero's like, definitely not that one. I don't know why. I don't know what place it scratches in my soul, but I love, love it. it, though. I well, do. And I will say this. If you like an animal in a romance, if you like a dog in a romance, really, there's no one who does it better than Elizabeth Hoyt. There's a mm. dog in almost every one of her books. I I would almost say every one of her books. That's true. There was, yeah. She loves a dog and she always, she knows the rule, the writer rule, which is if you're going to put an animal in the book, it has to be relevant to the story. Yes. And of course, this dog is like the perfect dog. He knows every command, even though he doesn't have a name and has never been trained. Hmm. Yeah. He's a magic dog. Yeah. It's really great. They have lunch together, and then he orders her carriage home, and this sort of becomes the norm. So he's really gruff, and he does throw fits, and he does throw things, but he rescued this dog, and he doesn't let her walk home, and he always feeds her really yummy food every day. So you can see that, like, there's a soft middle in there. You just got to get through the gruff. (laughs) Okay, but at some point, she discovers that he's not just going to London for, like, shits and giggles. Oh, yeah. He's going to London because there's a bordello there that he really likes. It's called Aphrodite's Grotto, and she does find an invoice (laughs) from Aphrodite's Grotto. And Aphrodite's Grotto has a logo. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is important because I think marketing is really critical here. Indeed. And, you know, it's 1790. It's like, so it's like the first time any place ever had a, a logo, I think, but it has a logo. And it's uh, a nymph and two satyrs engaged in an act that did not seem physically possible. <laughs> Anna tilted herself to her head to the side. Evidently, it was possible. The words <laughs> Aphrodite's Grotto were engraved in ornate script beneath the rude illustration. Ooh. Now, Anna is no fool, though. She's like, this dude is going to a board, a house of ill repute. 
if you will. Yes. And then she's also like, I hate it. And I don't just hate it because, like, I'm not anti-sex <gasps> yes, worker. I hate the best that part. he is having sex with other women. How dare he? He has met me now. No, it's but she's cute. also pissed because she's like, you know what? I've been single for – I haven't had sex for seven oh, yeah. years. And, like, why does this asshole get to go to London and have sex all over Aphrodite's grotto? And I'm stuck here in East Bumfuck. I don't even know the name of the town because it's so yeah. small. You can't find it on a map. <laughs> and she can't have sex with anyone. Like, she's getting mocked in town for, like, going to work for the Earl despite the fact that, like, all she had to eat was a muddy trout. <laughs> it's true. I'm really upset about this fish. <laughs> I, I, you really are. And I like it. I, meanwhile, I was more upset about the eggs because between this first scene and then him, she shows up at her house later and just eats all her coddled eggs one morning. And I'm like, yep. you asshole, they have no food. <laughs> you Go broke home. all her eggs. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Jesus. Do you think the eggs were a metaphor, though? I think, think so, her broken yeah. eggs were a metaphor. Yeah. Because also, Jenny, our heroine is barren. Yes. Yeah. So, and this is a big piece of the puzzle because he needs an heir. Okay. So, mmm, the plot thickens. But let's go back to the, bo- the uh, brothel because that's what you want to know about. Yes. <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> well, okay. <sighs> so they develop this relationship and he's very like, oh my God, I can talk to a woman about things I'm interested <laughs> in. This is weird. He loves hanging out with her. He teaches her to ride, which <laughs> is a lot of like him putting her up on horses and getting her down off of horses and stuff. You know, isn't that the good stuff? All riding is just being lifted yeah. up and down off of a horse. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Right. <laughs> And then one day on her way home in the carriage that he has ordered for her, she sees a woman on the, like, in a ditch. Yeah. Just a, a, like, lady in a ditch. In a ditch. And, like, moaning a bit. Like, just casually. (laughs) Like, it's nuts. And this is where you sort of remember that, like, historical can be just super wild. It's like, what do I do now? I know they'll just find like a nude woman in a ditch. Oh, she's naked. She's She's not nude. I don't think she's nude, but like she's in a ditch. Unconscious. And she's wearing a dress that tells everyone that she is in fact a lady of ill repute. So she stops and she makes the coachman and the footman put this lady in the carriage and they're like, Mm -hmm. madam, you can't. Like, you're a lady of breeding or something like you're a respectable lady and this is a prostitute and she's like i don't care what she does for work she's sick we're taking her to my house so against like everyone's wishes except her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law is so supportive yes super badass yeah so good she decides to nurse this girl named pearl and she like writes to her sister and they're gonna get her better And so the next day at work, the first half of the day goes great because he doesn't know yet. But the second half of the day, once he finds out, doesn't go as great. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, how does he find out? His steward or something tells him. Yeah, someone tells him. Here's the other thing. There's a lot of stuff that happens in this book and then suddenly other people know about it and it doesn't matter. Just don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. Okay. <laughs> Just roll with it. All Just right. like England times texting. There's like a phone. It, there's a phone tree. It's it's the 18th century phone tree. No worries. <laughs> so he comes in and he's like, how dare you? Oh, You're a respectable yeah. I have woman. I from this too. 
So he's pissed. He's like, you're a lady. You're a lady. You can't consort with with these kinds of people. And like the whole time, anybody on this podcast is thinking she should just punch him in the face because it's terrible. Yeah. And then instead, she punches him in the face uh, with words. Verbally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she knows, right? She has the receipt from Aphrodite's grotto or she has seen it. And so she says, I believe men, and indeed, gentlemen of quality, frequent houses of ill repute. Anna's lips tremble uncontrollably. Indeed, it seems hypocritical for a man to use a whore, but not help one when she is in need. Mm -hmm. She blinks rapidly. She will not cry. The snorts, meaning his snorts, coalesced into a great roar. My God, woman. And then she quits her job <laughs> and pieces out on behalf of sex workers everywhere. Yeah. She storms out. Boom. And he's like super shocked and impressed and hard. Yeah. Oh, I so mean. That should be noted for the record. <laughs> important <laughs> statement of facts. Fact to me, to me, Melody. <laughs> <laughs> he is indeed hard because he likes being yelled at. He does. He likes that she's not intimidated by him. So now he wants her. And then I can't remember if this is a, if this is the pro, the exact timing, but at some point in here, oh, then he goes to see her. And then like at some point in here, they name the dog. Okay. This is very important. It's very important. Yeah. I know Jenny's like, why does it matter they name the dog? But this is because it's oh, it important. does. <laughs> so he's standing in the middle of the yard being like, dog dog come here and she's like you know he needs a, a name and i've quote. been trying to name him yeah <laughs> and, and she and he's like well you haven't done a very good job so you should do it right now so she's like jock i know i know he's gonna come to the name jock and he's like oh yeah you know and she was like yeah i'll bet you he does and if he does you have to like show me around your mom's garden or something because she loves a flower and he's like and if i win i get to kiss you and she's like Oh, wait, this all happened before they fought? No, after. After. No, so he goes to her house and he makes it's up fine. with her. It doesn't and he's matter. Like, hey, they, I didn't they, fire they, you. Okay. okay. <laughs> they go okay, riding. So they, There's actually a scene where he, like, saves a sheep from a river and, like, the muddy rivulets are going down his muscled yeah. torso mm -hmm. and she stuff. But, like, now we're kissing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so sorry. Go on. They're in the garden. There's a kiss at stake. So she's like, Jock! Jock and nothing. And so then he starts ambling toward her very slowly. Like a lion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a, He's a like predator. A panther. Roar. <laughs> Melody's whole body motion right it's now perfect. It's perfect. is the greatest thing. So he gets like right up to her face and he's and like she can feel his breath like in her That's mouth. So and. And then he like leans in and then what do you fucking know? <laughs> this dog comes out of the goddamn mist and everyone's pissed about Shock it. Shock is his name. <laughs> and then Edward, our hero, says, shit. And our heroine thinks, indeed. Quite. 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 So there's no kiss and it's rough. Yeah, and then, like, he does show her around the garden, and in the garden there's a moment where he almost kisses her again, 
but he thinks better of it and he turns away and he's like, and I'm going to London because in his brain, he's like, I've got to put this somewhere. Yeah, I got to fuck these feelings out of me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But she's not stupid. She's like, he's going to London. What's there? Aphrodite's Grotto. He wants to put his penis in Aphrodite's Grotto instead of my grotto is what she's thinking. I've got a grotto right here. It's not okay. Jesus. So she does what? I think we should quiz Jenny at this point. Can we do a quiz? (laughs) Please. (laughs) So in this scenario, what is the only logical thing to do? I mean, clearly she's going to go to London, go to the brothel, and somehow engage with him as the sex worker. Yes. Exactly. You're correct. Congratulations. You are the heroine of a romance novel set in the 1800s. Is the masquerade involved? There's a mask involved, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so she found out a little bit earlier from um, Pearl and her sister that at Aphrodite's Grotto, sometimes ladies of quality also go there and they wear a mask and then they like, they'll be like, send me a redheaded one. I, I like want it. a blonde one this time. And yeah. I was like, into it. Yeah. <laughs> For it. I can't think of anyone else who writes a no. ladies' brothel. Certainly it's no one on this podcast mystery. has ever written no. a ladies' brothel. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> Everyone, go by Daring and the Duke. It's on shelves now. well it's also very like romance reason again here's my thing i sometimes think that as writers we spend too much time worrying about like how are we going to make it seem realistic again yeah she just happens to have found like pearl in a ditch and pearl knows this one high class (laughs) brothel that the earl (laughs) likes to go to and mm-hmm. also Pearl knows, like, how to get her in, no problem. Like, mm-hmm. Pearl in a ditch is a very useful tool. <laughs> <laughs> so next time you're at a conundrum like that, just throw Pearl in a ditch just and she'll have all your answers. Find a girl in a ditch and she will solve all the problems. <laughs> yeah. So she goes in there with this butterfly mask and she's wearing, like, this lace negligee situation. That somebody, there's a nut coral, the other, there's a, there are lots of um, sex workers in this book and they're all fucking awesome. Like, yeah. to a to a person. And I think that, too, is really important. Just, I want to, like, like, this is an important moment, I think, in historicals where, like, mm. Elizabeth Hoyt was like, I'm going to write about sex workers and I'm going to treat them with respect. Yeah. Unlike many historicals that came before her. And it's awesome. Like, generally, it's like very good representation Mm. here. Yeah, this was 2007, too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's wild. And she's like, I got you. I'm going to put you in the best outfit. He won't be able to keep his hands off you. Yeah. And so, (laughs) okay. He comes to the door. And she, all he sees is his silhouette. He's basically one of those TikToks where it's like, here I am, here I am, red light. Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy ball sack. So then he, he walks in, he just takes off his coat, he puts it on a thing, and then he comes over and he just starts kissing on her neck. And she's very like, oh, my God, like, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening right now. <laughs> and they speak zero words in this entire sex scene. Well, because also... They fuck? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's great. But also before <laughs> this, when she was like, I yeah. want to go to this brothel, Coral, one of the sex workers is like, um, you're definitely going to meet a person there. Like, there's a guy you want to be with there. Right. And she's like, well, I don't know. I'm 
mean, I don't want to. And Coral's like, no, ma'am. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. looking at you and I know what you're up to. And so Coral was like, listen, you have a slight problem in that, fine, he might not recognize your face, but like, he's going to hear your voice and like mm-hmm. smell you. Like, and all that can sort of be handled, but you got to be careful. And so she's like hyper aware of like not giving it away. Yeah. Even though it really does feel like <laughs> masks are. Masks are the historical romance equivalent oh, yeah. of like Clark Kent's glasses. Like they just it's true. Like, <laughs> it's true. Like, okay. <laughs> well, and she also has been wearing a mob cap, like a widow mob cap, even though she's not. She's like thirty, and so she's been wearing this like frilly lace thing. And so he's barely ever seen her hair. Mm. So you know that's not a giveaway either. Yeah, so they they do bone down <laughs> in a very satisfying way. Which is another classic example of Elizabeth Hoyt going for it, yeah. because I fully expected there for you to be like, he stops yeah, and, and then is like, someone no, interrupts. this isn't the person I want to fuck. And, you know, I want to save myself for Anna back. And like, nope, he goes and does the thing. <laughs> With his giant cock. I mean... Could she say oh my God. more that he has a humongous penis? Yeah, it's a monster <laughs> cock. I don't think so. <laughs> Sarah, we said no monsters, and you still brought one. <laughs> I mean, so. it's big, and she can feel the <laughs> round, smooth crown of his erection pressing into the inner ring of the muscles that guarded her keep. Her keep? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is her keep. Yeah. There are muscles guarding it. I'm for it. There are. It's great. Do the thing. So, okay, what I love about the in-between part, because after he's... Also, Sarah, did she come this time? I don't think so. I never saw her come on the page. That's a good question. I'm here. I'm going to check the tape. I don't think she came. (laughs) Yeah, you check the tape while I talk about the next thing. You keep going. I'm going to check the tape. Can we get a replay? (laughs) I swear she didn't come, and I was, like, a little disconcerted about it, but it's fine. Well, it is heaven. She really likes it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, she wants to, like, she wants it to never end and all that stuff, but I really think it's because she hasn't come yet, so it's fine. You know, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, so in between this time, he's like, okay, I feel weird about this because that sex worker does remind me of Anna, and also I feel like by having sex with another person, I'm cheating on Anna, but I did tell her, meet me here tomorrow. Like, he growled it. It was a command. Meet me here again tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't, I mean, I might be cheating on Anna, but can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> so the next day they go back and she is like, okay, I'm going to direct this sex because she realized the next morning that while she enjoyed it, she had a really good time. She was a little bit like, I have real feelings involved. He wouldn't kiss me. Like, he didn't know it was me. It was just sort of this faceless, transactional situation. And it sort of left her feeling a tiny bit empty. And so she's like, maybe if I take the reins, I can make this what I want it to be. Sarah, are you? I checked the tape. She did not come. She really enjoyed it, but she did not. He, like, comes in her and she's like... And there's a little bit of like a moment. It feels very 2021. There's a lot of semen feeling. Oh, boy. It's just a lot of semen. And then she's like, <laughs> okay, now it's over. And he says, meet me here tomorrow. And she's like, meet me here okay. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but don't worry. It's fine. So she starts like undressing him because he didn't undress at all either. Oh, that's hot. 
Yeah. And so she like tries to touch his chest and then she pushes him into a chair and she kneels in between his legs, Jenny. Yeah. And he pushes her head down. It's a good. Yeah. And she gives her first blowjob and she like looks up at him coquettishly. And it's again in historicals like this was like, I can't stress enough how like sexy this was at the time hmm. because like, i mean it was sexy today now it's like it's all right yeah. we expect it yeah. but <laughs> you've kind of broken yeah, us exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like fingers her in his lap and like she does come then yeah and then but he won't yes yes and then he like it's just a lot of like he like cradles her and like fucks her and then that night too he's like come tomorrow I'll see you tomorrow. Right. But now Anna's got too many feelings. She can't. She's got to go. Got to go. <laughs> so she goes home and he proceeds to lose his GD mind. Yep. He goes back to <laughs> He's pissed. He's pissed. Because she's not there. He's got to work off this energy somehow. And so he does beat the ever-living hell <laughs> out of everyone. <laughs> It's pretty great. I mean, Wait. everyone knows. Yeah. Look, I like a hero who loses his mind and then breaks like a whole building, like tears it oh, down yeah. from the rafters. So, Wait, um, but when you say he beats the hell out of everyone, he's not like beating the women. No, 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 no. no, no. The bouncers and, and stuff. Oh, okay. Just like security <laughs> details <Yeah>. and things. <laughs> okay. He just wants to let off some steam. He's beating the living hell out of people who like are professional security yeah people got it who are okay. there to be beaten up <laughs> central casting thugs yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and we should note that once this is over he like so he fights everyone and he beats the shit out of everyone and then he's mm. like can i buy you gentlemen some drinks i would like to go to the seediest dive bar you can yeah, find he's for me. like a, and so he takes the security dude. out and they get super hammered together. And at the end of the night, he like toasts Anna and all of them toast Anna with him. <laughs> and they're just hammer down. Oh, I like I that. Know, it's so cute. It's, that's really very endearing. nice. And then he does something really stupid, though, too, on this trip yeah. to London. Mm-hmm. He proposes okay. to another woman. Yeah. And gets himself engaged. Oh, that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's not great. He is affianced now, and we hate Mm. it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Anna does not know. Right. Hey, listener. In August, members of the Temple of Defiant Joy can look forward to lots of new bonus content, including more levels of the Monster Dungeon books and Jenny losing her mind over an escort movie. She should have fucked his dad. We've got three different art pieces in the works, and Joybringers now get access to the digital art. Celebrants will still receive prints in addition to digital access. August Bonkers Book Club includes Caught a Vibe by Eva Moore, a forced proximity romance between a sex toy designer and the hot tech writer who was the best one-night stand of her life. It has a sex toy right there on the cover, which honestly is the cartoon cover I've been waiting for. It doesn't come out until August 30th, but you can get your hands on it right now if you're a member of the temple. The other September book is a bundle of the first three books in Kit Rocha's Beyond series. It's a dystopian erotic romance series that will blow your mind. It's gritty and high stakes, but with lots of magnificent kink and polyamory. Now, back to the episode. 
So then he comes home and he sees her. And because they had done all this like flowers talk. Oh, first of all, she's like, what happened to your face? You're a mess. Did you fall off your horse? And he's like, I am an expert (laughs) horseman. I've never fallen off my horse. Thank you very much. I may have become unseated a time or two, but I've never fallen off. And then he gifts her, he like went and got her 24 dormant rose bushes. And she's like, I have a cottage. I can use like three of these. But uh, <laughs> then he's like, set them on fire then. <laughs> yeah. I'll just oh, no. them, he says. What? He's a big man he's baby. He's baby. He's like, well, if you don't want my, <laughs> if you don't want all of them, then burn them. Yeah. You don't have space for them. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. Um, But wait, when does he tell her that he's engaged? Because that's important. Right now. He says to himself, like, she puts salve on his face and stuff. And then they go to the stables. And the horse that she rides rears up. And it's like, horses are scary. Poorly behaved. They really are. (laughs) And so he goes and saves her. And then this is like an adrenaline. He's got her pressed up against him. And he's like, Anna, are you hurt? Anna, oh, my God, you're not hurt enough. I guess I'll make out with your whole face. And so they do make out hard. And this is the first kiss. They've had sex twice. First kiss. It's really nice. I have a kink for this, like having sex and then kissing later. Yeah. I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah, same. Same. But then yeah. he pulls back and he's like, ah, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And she's like, oh, no, don't apologize. That was I really great. liked it. It's- yeah. <laughs> I feel fine. I feel fine. And then he goes, no, you don't understand. I'm engaged. Oh, no. Yeah. Talk about taking the wind out of her sails. Uh. What an asshole. And then even worse, he says, well, I need to have children. And you can't do that for me. Oh. Uh. You can't do that. And she's like, oh. Okay. Like, I'm just going to go crawl into uh, a hole now. And then as the reader, you're like, this guy's an asshole. Again, he should be in a ditch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's way less cool than Pearl. So then a series of things happen, including but not limited to more horse riding and a party and stuff like that. And like that woman, like there's a woman also... It's not important. It's not really that important. There's a B-plot. There's a B-plot about, like, a locket and some blackmail. It's fine. It's not important. Yeah. We'll we'll tell you at the end. We'll download you at the end. Um, (laughs) So a couple of people are like, oh, yeah, well, you knew that she went on this trip. And he's like, trip? The same time I went. That was weird. I wonder. Mm. Mm. The dog was – oh, because – Wait, we forgot to say yeah. the dog went on the trip, too, because the dog oh, yeah. got in the carriage and then, like, they couldn't get the dog out of the carriage. So, yeah, <laughs> the dog went to London with them. And then when and then so she went on this trip and then somebody the, the servants mentioned that the dog disappeared for four days. Right. Same time she did. Same time he did. And he starts. He's like slowly putting a puzzle. He's like a toddler with one of those big puzzles. Like just it's true. <laughs> there are only six pieces, Edward. You How can make do it. helicopter? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All of us acutely understand that metaphor. <laughs> Pig won't fit in hole. I believe in you, Edward. <laughs> Turn it, you motherfucker. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's a corner. 
was it. That's, we went, oh we went deep God. into a place. Anybody who doesn't have children in their lives. So we'll come back yeah. around. <laughs> Here yeah. we are. Back to the romance. <laughs> there are literally four pieces and he is struggling to get them to order. Oh, my to God. Organized. He's having a very hard time. So then he walks into the garden where she's planting his roses for him of her own volition. <laughs> because he w- she will not allow him to set them aflame. Right. She won't be wasteful about it. <laughs> How very practical. <laughs> so she's on her knees mm-hmm. and he watches her put her put her hair behind her ear with her tiny hand in the same way that that lady who gave him the best beach of his entire life did. And he's yep. like, oh, my God, <laughs> you went to the bride. He like hulks out. He hulks (laughs) out. (laughs) Completely. He he tosses her against a wall and he's like, why did you deceive me? It's like in a sexy way. No, it's a hot. It's not scary. not offended. (laughs) I have like a wall cake. Same. (laughs) So he's got her pinned against the wall and he's like, why did you deceive me? Why, why, why? Is this all you wanted? You could have just asked for it. I would have fucked you over my desk in the library. I would have taken you on the horse if you wanted me to. Like anything. I've been hard for you for weeks. In the carriage. He makes a list of like all the ways. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's good. Thinking about it. And he won't let her get a word in edgewise. And so then he like, like he, he aggression makes out with her face then he's like basically like get away from me and she's breathless like she's like (gasps) yeah wait and then he storms off and then she runs after him and falls falls (laughs) she just topples she just topples right over it's fine and then she lays there crumpled and sobbing in the mud for hours like the trout literal it says on the page Hours. She's a sobbing muddy like trout. trout. We've come full circle. <laughs> she is, she herself is the muddy trout. The trout is a metaphor. Yes. <laughs> hours is kind of self-indulgent. I mean, hours thing, like, my God, this guy is my surely God. watching her from the window. Yeah. It's like a toddler crying waiting for yes. you to oh, notice. Yes. Where at a certain point they start having to like oh, force yeah, it. Yes. Oh yeah. It's definitely like that. Yes. So now he's tortured. Like all stupid men in historicals, he's like, well, she might have gone to the brothel and behaved like a sex worker, but she's a lady and that means I have to marry her. I've compromised her. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Which is peak stupidity. Uh huh. And so he goes to her house and he, no, he doesn't. He sends his, he sends like, his steward. steward to the house to propose. Classy. This is classy. This is middle school shit. And she says, no, fuck off. I'm not marrying him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he thinks, this is one of my favorite quotes of the whole book. He thinks for her and her only, because he's an earl for God's sake. He's also like, of course, because he's a romance hero, the richest earl in all of Erling. Right. And so (laughs) he says for her and her only, he was good enough to bed, but not to wed. What did she think yeah. he was? A cock for hire? A cock for hire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that an option? <laughs> right? 
So the other thing that I think we really need to make a note of is that he's thinking to himself, like, he can't tell, am I only good enough to fuck and not marry because of my scars? Oh, yeah. Or did she only fuck me because she has a scar kink? Yeah. Like, where is this this coming from? That's a big jump. I know. I mean, I get that his first wife, deathbed, whatever. Jenny, his noodles all messed up. Versus you're a grumpy man, baby. And maybe it's something to do with that. Yeah. So he's like, all right, you know what? He sees her look at his lips while they're arguing about getting married. And he thinks to himself, all right, I would like to have a wife who's into her sexuality. So I'm going to use her sexuality against her. Perfect. I'm going to force her to continue to be my secretary. And then I'm going to be sexy at her until she relents <laughs> at her. It does feel a little like at her, though, because it is two moments at this point that are fucking perfect. Like, perfect. One is... so I, do, I keep thinking I know where we're going and then it, it's don't. not where we're going. It's not. It's not. This is... No. So there is a moment. So first of all, I think it's important to say... That there are, like, some pretty serious, like, workplace violations going on here because he does (laughs) say to her in her home when he says, marry me, and she's like, no, he's like, fine, then you're fired and I'm not paying you for your work, Mm -hmm. any of the work you've done for me. And she's like, motherfucker, (laughs) you drop my trout in the mud. And now you're not paying me my three pounds a week. you made me a sobbing trout. Yes. And now you're withholding my pay? <laughs> exactly. So she's like, um, and he's like, so you have to come back to work for me and then I'll pay you. Like, so that's not great. Right. Don't, I don't recommend staying mm-hmm. in a job if that's what your boss is saying, but fine. <laughs> and, then, yeah, yeah. and then later, but then, so she's like taking a letter. I really think this might be the best part of the book. He's ta- she's taking letters. She's in, they're both in the library. Oh she's at her little desk and oh her God. little like escritoire. And it's like a a rosewood desk. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like taking a note. And he's like a very stern note about, I don't know, whatever the fuck he fossils, as Jen would say. Like, who cares? He's mad at something. Yeah. And then he says and she's and he's like, is it hot in here? And he's like, does it (gasps) does it seem hot in here? And she's, you know, she's writing. She writes like, does it seem hot? And then she's like, hang on a second. And she looks up (laughs) and he is disrobing. Oh my god! What? And then, then he's like, "Come over here and touch me." And she's like, "Edward, put your clothes back on. This is ridiculous. There are touching you. We are at work." (laughs) (laughs) But then he does a big wounded child guilt trip on her and he's like you have to touch me i have to know that you're not repulsed by my scars and she's like i rode your cock into oblivion <laughs> last week sir but she's still <laughs> but then she's sort of like i mean okay i will and then she gets really into it <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and then the, then the butler comes she in. does a nipple lick yeah, yeah the, the butler comes in as she's licking his nipple. <laughs> oh, it's and, good stuff. Um, and then yeah. she's like, uh, and the butler's like, uh. <laughs> and Edward's like, it's time for the butler to leave. Like, go go away, please. And I'm like, literally yeah. everyone knows now that this these two are boning in the library. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. 
Including that this, like, bitch in town who is trying to blackmail someone about something. Oh, my God. Yeah, so she's going to blackmail either the Earl or Anna. Doesn't matter. She doesn't know Whoever. yet. She's, like, going to try both. <laughs> anyway, so then during that thing, during that whole uh, talk with the butler, he's like, oh, also, we're going to London tomorrow, and she has to come with me because I have to have my secretary there to take notes at the agrarian meeting. The agrarian meeting I have gone to by myself for the last decade. She must come. I need my secretary <laughs> to come with me for beaches. For so many beaches. <laughs> oh, so they wait, do can go. Can we also <laughs> talk about, wait, has, no, it doesn't happen until London. You keep going. But I want to talk about the sex in London. I, we have to. We have to talk about all of it. So they go to London, and once they get there, it basically cuts to her being in bed at night. And she's like, I think he might have put me, like, in the countess's suite. Like, there's an adjoining door that I'm kind of concernicus about. <laughs> and then she hears, like, footsteps around, and then there's, like, the lock that goes, and then he comes in with two things of brandy, and he's like, would you like some of my brandy? And she's like, I hate brandy. And he's like, so do I. And he, like, throws it over <laughs> yeah, his shoulder, basically. He totally does. <laughs> and he That's says, exactly what says like, I'm not... I'm not here for a nightcap, actually. I'm here to dick you down, madam. <laughs> and then he just gets into bed. Yeah, he says, if you're gonna say no, say no now. And she just, like, puts her arms out. And so, boy, does he get into bed. <laughs> okay, but can we talk about Conalingus? We have I mean, to. Please talk about Conalingus. See here, but here's the It's thing. the first so, time for so both he, of them. Yes, so here's my thing, Okay. So he doesn't yeah. – so that night he gets into bed and there's like – it's like playful and he gets down there and he looks at it and then he thinks to himself like, <sighs> maybe I'll lick her but like I think I just want to fuck her. I like need her real I bad. I really got to get this cock in there. And I'm really. like, I don't know, sir. It feels to me like it's time. Yeah. And then in the morning, like mm. once they're fully rested, he's like, now I would like to attempt cunnilingus, which I have never done before. Because you can't do it with a prostitute. Right. No. Which, I mean, okay, fine, I guess. But it's also like the 1790s, so I'm pretty (laughs) sure you can find a prostitute who's like, fine with this. Meanwhile, he's been jizzing in prostitutes left and right. Like, he has no worries about getting anybody pregnant. There's a little bit of a, like, it's complicated. My feelings about the cunnilingus in this book are complicated. I mean, once it happens, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. But I just feel like... I feel like poor Anna doesn't get enough of that action. Oh, definitely not. He does finger bang her, you know, real good once. But, I mean, remember, she didn't come the first time they had sex. I know. The two-for-one rule is not activated in this book. No, it's not. And he does basically like an artist study of her pussy. Oh. Just like, he just stares at it for a really long time. Like, turns her toward the light, like, (laughs) rearranges all the candles. It's crazy. Which, like, now I think I would be into and could handle, but for, like, a significant period of my life, I would have been like, totally. Especially if it was the first time. I am uncomfortable. In a classic romance heroine trope moment, she doesn't, she's not aware that this is a thing that happens. Right. She's never even considered Mm. it. So it does feel like in that first time, like, if you You've never even imagined cunnilingus was happening. Having somebody just like super investigate your pussy (laughs) does feel like a lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, but I will say he makes up for it with this one line. Tell me. He looks at her 
And he says, I want to taste and tongue and suck you until you've forgotten your name, until I've forgotten mine as well. Okay, Earl. (laughs) He's enthusiastic. I appreciate the enthusiasm. That is a real Elizabeth Hoyt experience. Yeah. So they've basically decided we're going to be together forever. He's like, just hold, please. I got to go break off this engagement. But like, please be in bed when I get back. And she's like, cool, cool, cool. I'll eat my coddled eggs here. And then on her breakfast tray, she gets a blackmail letter. And she goes from (laughs) zero to 112. She makes the absolute (laughs) wrong decision. (laughs) Instantly. Instantly. She just fucks off. (laughs) She just flees, thinking that she's going to be a liability to him somehow. So then he comes home, and he is fucking devastated jenny he is ruined he talks about like this void in his chest and like can he can someone even live with a void this big in their soul but does he what does he think happened that she didn't want him (sighs) like where does he he think scars he thinks like all the all the stupid things then and then his friends come in because he has to have friends because they're the next two books in the series Mm -hmm. and they come in (laughs) And then the idiot aging butler produces the blackmail note and is like, oh, look, here's a blackmail note. But instead of giving it to Edward, he gives it to one of the friends who, like, delivers the blackmail note to Edward. And then Edward's like, motherfucker, someone dares blackmail Mm -hmm. my heart. And then he goes to 112, brings his seconds Uh to, he's like, dueling is on pistols at dawn it's a duel it's a duel only only option i'm throwing a glove somewhere that's what i'm doing yes (laughs) so he goes to aphrodite's grotto because the note said like come there at 9 p.m with a hundred pounds which is a lot of money i would like to just interject with some history times information oh a hundred pounds is a lot of money it's like ten thousand dollars yeah it's not like a real easy get. Hmm. Especially for a little old widow, you know? Yeah. She can't even afford new trout. Yeah. Also, this blackmail letter was sent by a macaroni, which... Yes. <laughs> the 18th century was wild, but this person... There are a lot of people wearing tricorn hats in this book. Yeah. And this, I guess he was called a macaroni because there were like squiggles, like the curls were very squiggled on the back. Mm-hmm. And so they looked like Correct. a noodle, question mark? Hmm. Anyway, it's a Yankee doodle thing, but like England times. That's now going to be stuck in my head for a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll teach it to the kids. <laughs> yeah. So she gets in the carriage. She's like going. And when she gets to an inn. And then this bitch that like we didn't really tell you about. She's the mean one who's like thinking about blackmail her. She does try to do that blackmail at her. And her whole thing is she thinks Anna knows that she fucked her husband when he was alive. And Anna figures out in that moment that her very redheaded child is definitely her husband's child. So she's like, don't tell anyone this information I just told you. And Anna's like, hold on a second. I'm not going to be the meek little farm mouse you think I am. And so she just she pushes her against a wall and she blackmails her back. And she's like, you come at me and I will tell everyone who got you with that younger kid, the redheaded one. Also, she's married to a squire. Like she's married to like the mayor. Yeah. Mm. It's a, yeah. It's a yikes. 
So then she's like, fuck this, fuck everyone. I'm feeling my power in this moment. And so I'm going back to London to collect my love. When she gets there, she finds out about the dual situation. And so then now she's there too. She's at Aphrodite's Grotto. The gang's all here. Wait, who's he going to duel? The boy black The guy who... Macaroni. Oh, there's another... Okay. Yeah. I thought he had just like delivered the note. Okay. So that was originally it. And then he figured it out and he was like, oh, I'm just going to cut her out and I'm going to get all the money for me. And then he blackmailed her. So it's like a, it's a dual situation. But now it's dual times. Yes, because it's a historical romance and there's yeah. a lot. Now somebody needs to get possibly killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're at 95%. Someone better get close to dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they do they sword cling clang crash swoosh he gets skewered in the shoulder and he's bleeding everywhere she's real mad about it but she's also trying to be very quiet so as not to distract him sure hmm. that's a novelty for a romance yeah, heroine right? very smart cookie this one also his hot friends are like saying clever things behind the, in they the, are in the background making you pre-order the next book it's true. Which is also very good. Oh, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he wins, and then he does punch that guy in the face for good measure. And then, Sarah, do they put him on an internationally bound ship while he's unconscious? Is that a thing that happens? Yes. That is yeah, what cool. <laughs> Yes. Well, because <laughs> then you just get on a ship and you go to, the to you know, colonies somewhere. I mean, it is colonial what you know there's I, like i just got whiplash why no not the hero the bad guy oh the, yeah, okay. the unconscious bad guy yeah they're like put him on this ship he'll end up probably in australia and right. that'll be fine yeah we'll that love seems it reasonable That's great. it's the nation of criminals <laughs> and they'll treat him as he is deserving that's right so then in the carriage, he says, will you marry me? He says, and she says, what if we never have a family? And he says, you are my family. If we never have children, I will be disappointed. But if I never have you, I'll be devastated. I love you. I need you. Please trust me enough to be my wife. And it's a big romance. That is lovely. There is an epilogue that kind of ruins everything for me, but it's all right. It's. I know. I know. <laughs> is it a magic yeah. baby? There's a baby. There's a magic baby. Yeah. Um. But we, you know, Melody, we missed a very important, very large piece of this book. Oh my god! Tell me everything. Which is the fairy tale? Yeah. Like there's a fairy tale that are the chapter headers. Yeah. Does it? Does Elizabeth Hoyt do this in every book? In every book. Yeah. She tells a fairy tale. Cool. Yes. And it's basically like, imagine if you were being told a fairy tale that is one half Cupid and Psyche and one half Lady Hawk, that movie with Rutger Hauer. Yeah. Which is cool. But there's like a hawk, a crow, a raven, a raven. if you will. The raven who saves, prince. Who saves, if you will, the raven <laughs> prince, who um, saves a duke. And then prom like basically says like I'll protect your castle if you'll give me one of your daughters as wife, and he's like sure no problem just save me. And then the daughter that volunteers like flies away with the Raven Prince, and by day she's married to a Raven, and at night some guy who oh, knows yeah. who he is comes into her bed and fucks her until she's like can't stay just awake anymore, yeah. and then. 
Yeah. And then in the morning she wakes up and there's like just her her bird husband. <laughs> and then- or there's like a single feather in the bed. <laughs> yep. And then she tricks him into like she bur- hides a candle and like discovers his that he's this beautiful dark haired man in her bed and the wax falls on his shoulder and he wakes up and he's like you silly woman you ruined everything which doesn't you know what a jerk and then he's like now you get nothing my palace is gone and then she's living in like a dust bowl Mm -hmm. like steinbeck times yeah and then she has to find a witch in a house (laughs) She, and it's she like travels the lands thing. for five years trying to find him, and then finally she finds him, and he's like, my wife, you made an effort. We can be together forever now. <laughs> I hope she gives him the finger. N- nope. She does <laughs> give him a beach. No. <sighs> so there it is. So that's the fairy tale. Yeah. Okay. I like that she writes a, a writes a story for each one. It's very cool. Me too. So Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff all around. This book had everything. It was bonkers. It was. Stamp of approval. (laughs) Certified. It did. I mean, you know, it wasn't like Kraken porn, but it was like a lot. She went for it. You're going to turn the pages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not a bore. It's good stuff. So if someone needs some aftercare after the bonkers, uh, what's... (laughs) Either something that's going to take them to the next level or just something delightful that you have experienced recently. Well, what have I experienced? Oh, you know what? Here's one that's bonkers. I recently read India Holton's The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels, which is truly... Have you read this? No. I haven't finished it yet, but it's... Because I didn't know what I was getting into. And I was like, whoa, like this did not... This is my thing. This book is sitting on tables in bookstores all across the world, <laughs> and no one has any idea what is inside this book, because it looks like you're just getting England Times, to use a heaving bosoms word. But, yeah. like, it's just, like, it looks like a very lovely, like, Victorian romance. Uh-huh. And then you open it up, and within the first, like, five pages, there is a pirate who is trying to assassinate the heroine's, like, elderly aunt, who, and the assassin, who is, like, young and handsome and the hero of the book, who is trying to climb the, scale the side of the house in full broad daylight and climb through the window to make this assassination. What? And then, as if that's not enough, like, when he gets, like, kind of, when she opens the the heroine opens the window, has a full conversation with this assassin, closes closes the window, turns to her aunt, and her aunt says, "I was thinking of flying the house to Bath today." And literally at this point, I'm like, "What? Pardon am I reading? Like, madam, what is <laughs> yeah. happening?" And I was like, "Is this a phrasing from like historicals that I just have never heard before?" And then, no, in actual fact, like, it's like this fantasy gas, like, gas lamp fantasy, steampunky Victorian romance about lady scoundrels, assassins, pirates, flying houses, like, magic, treasure. And it is a fucking delight. Like, the, the writing, India Holton's writing is like, just top tier, sparkling dialogue, tons of like witty repartee. 
the hero's like sexy and cool and very swashbuckly. And this is a good example of like what we were talking about at the beginning. Like it doesn't have to be super sexy to be bonkers. Like I loved every page of this book because it was just such a delight to read something that was so totally different. That's really cool. Yeah. There's your aftercare. Yeah. That'll take it to the next level. I've got a dual aftercare. One is if you want more Elizabeth Hoyt, but you want to go further into bonkers, you got to read Duke of Sin. It just has to happen. It has to. Mm -hmm. But if you like a widow and you want a story that's a little bit more centralized on um, like the the widow portion of the character is a more centralized part of their being. Um, Right now I'm reading The Road to Rose Bend by Naima Simone. And yeah, there's another cover that will trick the shit out of you. It is a trickster. It looks like an Amish romance from the front. I when I saw it because I was like (laughs) imagining the people who were going to pick that book up having no fucking idea who Naima was or what was coming. And like, yeah, they were going to get it. It's steamy. (laughs) It's also a small town romance. Like it's, it's, it's good stuff. So the road to Rose Bend. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I just finished Molly O'Keefe writes as M. O'Keefe for her like darker, more erotic yeah. content. And the third in a trilogy that she's been writing just came out. It's called Untamed. Um, and it's, I think Katie described the first book as being like dragged in a dark alley and like, yes, please <laughs> pinned up against a wall or okay. something and, and you like it. And yeah, it, it's got this like dirty talking mean assassin Irish hero who like gets her off while he's like degrading her, but also then like calls her a princess. And it it's like so we're getting to the conclusion and like at the end of the second book, they've had to get married and then this is the end of it. So it is kind of bonkers. It is not light fair. Sure. Um, but I just, I don't know. It was like a quick page-turning read, and I really loved awesome. it. Awesome. She went for it. Yay. Cool. And Sarah, Sarah's latest, mm-hmm. is Bombshell. Sarah's latest is Bombshell. That's is true. <laughs> that is the truth. Can confirm. <laughs> Can confirm. Yes. The book is Bombshell. It came out August 24th. It's the first in a new series for me called Hell's Bells. Which is Lady Gang um, about a Victorian era girl gang. Eee! The heroine is somebody who you will recognize if you have read Sarah McLean books before, but you don't have to have read Sarah M- McLean books to read this one. My hope is that it will someday be a featured book on Bonkers Romance because it has everything in it. It has yeah. danger banging and tavern brawls. And a bunch of women who really want to, like, burn shit down and blow shit up because they are mad at how the patriarchy treats women and other people. And then also they do a lot of kissing Mm. and hanging out in taverns and drinking whiskey and swearing. I love it. In England times. I Love it. It's Sarah dialing it to an 11. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, thank you for gifting us with the joy that was the Raven Prince. Yes. Is that 
That's the name of the book, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Did I just get it right? It. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. next two are The Leopard Prince and The Serpent Prince, and they are both delicious, oh. and they are The oh, Friends. Boy. If you have read The Raven Prince, The Friends get their stories. His oh. friends, Edward's friends. Wonderful. That Viscount, he's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, where can they find you online? You can find me online at uh, Sarah McLean, all one word, at Twitter and Instagram, though I am on Instagram more than I'm on Twitter these days. Um, Hmm. Or on Wednesdays, you can hear Faded Mates, which is my podcast with our friend Jen Prokop, who is a romance critic. And we deconstruct tropes and do deep dive um, read-alongs and sometimes interview cool people. And generally talk about romance novels, just like you guys. So that drops every Wednesday at midnight Eastern, and it's called Faded Mates. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for Hold by Claire Kent with Abby Jimenez. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It's hugely helpful for people to be able to find us. And if you have a chance, tell two friends about us, whether that's on social media or, you know, a text message with a description of what they might be in for. Mm-hmm. You can support us by heading over to the Temple of Defiant Joy on our website at bonkersromance.com temple. By joining, you support Jenny and I, you support our tiny children who just love us and they love how much joy we get from romance. And (laughs) you get the final episode of each month, you get bonus content, the Bonkers Book Club, videos, and so much more. And all of that starts at just $5 a month. While you're on our website, you can use us to ask us about advertising rates, you can recommend books we can recap. You could apply to be a spotlight author for Bonkers Romance. You could even sign up for the membership assistance for the temple. There's tons on there. So go to bonkersromance.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at, at Bonkers Romance. And we have a sweet Facebook group that's building and, you know, <laughs> starting to post some spider sex pictures. Yeah. It's called The Altar of Defiant Joy. You can also email us if you want to send us something that you don't necessarily want to post in a public space Um, whether that's a crazy story or a screenshot of something you found in a book or whatever else surprise us bonkersromance at gmail.com so go enjoy your next bonkers read and remember when in doubt dial it up to 11 (laughs) 